Welcome. Welcome, my friends, to another episode of Is That Really Legal with Eric Rubin. Today's episode is an interview that I recorded months ago, almost at the beginning of the pandemic, really. Um, and I've been saving it. Um, and it was done back when I wasn't as good at recording stuff, so the quality's not great. But the interview is great. It's with Jason T. Gaffney, who is someone I literally have known since he was born. Um, he is the son of dear friends of mine, but he's also an actor and a producer and a writer. And uh, he and I actually performed off-Broadway together. We've done other projects together. Uh, he's an out gay guy who lives in LA. He's married and he is dealing with the pandemic just like the rest of us. And as a result, he has projects on hold. Um, but he has some interesting things to say about the business, that is the show business, and also uh, about being gay and also being slightly deaf. All of these things are interesting. Um, you know what else is interesting is Abe's muffins. They're allergen free. They taste amazing. Uh, kids love them. They're great to pack into a lunchbox, even if the lunchbox is going from kitchen to living room these days. Um, you can get them at all the best places and they come in all sorts of flavors. So don't forget to grab some Abe's muffins. So um, the sound quality is not great. I'm just gonna say it, I'm sorry for that. Uh, but if you listen closely, you'll hear some great stuff as Jason T. Gaffney and I discuss show business and the LGBT community and a bunch of other things. So here's Jason T. Gaffney. So uh, welcome, Jason T. Gaffney. I'm, I welcome you. I don't know when this is going to air, but right now we're in the middle of a pandemic as well as significant protests and street violence and uh, murder hornets. So I figure we should get this in before the locusts or, you know, raining blood. What do you think? <laughs> that sounds good to me. Yeah, <laughs> and I want to apologize to our listeners. Uh, if, if you hear any helicopters, today's LA protests are right in my neighborhood. So, <laughs> it's, and I'm, I'm totally, I mean, I put up a Black Lives Matter sign in my window today to, to support them. But just in case you hear a couple of helicopters, that's what's going on. Gotcha. I don't think we have helicopters in my neighborhood, but I'm in Brooklyn and about a mile and a half away from the Barclays Center, which, oh. and not far from the bridges either, where both bridges are pretty prominent in what's going on. So, uh, sure. I'm, you know, we're safe and uh, we support the protesters. And I don't want to get, uh, sidelined into all of that stuff because there's plenty of people who are going to be doing podcasts about what's going on and I don't know when this is going to air. Um, not that I'm not interested and I'm sure I will have some things to say. I've already done some interviews with lawyers about civil rights and stuff. I, I'm actually, one of the reasons that you're being interviewed is that um, you are in show business. And because of the pandemic, show business has gotten smacked around, to put it <laughs> yes, politely. Is that, would you say that? 
Yeah, I would say I would say that the pandemic said, "Hey, you. Looks like things are going well. Be a shame if I just halted your career." <laughs> to all, right. Of, all at once. Right, and um, for I mean, there are people, and you may be one of them, who are doing some as homegrown a project as you can do, like yours truly doing a podcast. But anything that might be filmed or theatrical or involve more than two people on a on screens shot, you know, miles away from each other, uh, that's all been put to a halt, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the biggest thing I'm working on right now is turning my uh, three novellas that I co-wrote with my dad, Ed Gaffney, uh, into audiobooks. Right. And so we're able to kind of do that remotely, and I'm, I'm learning all about the software that I'm gonna need to use to record someone and be able to hear them and have their data come to my computer live. And it's a whole big like technical experience that for me is like a nightmare because you know me in technology, I'm not like best friends with it. Well, I, I just wanna let people know that I've literally known you all your life. I mean, literally known you all your life. Um, and we've done, uh, we've lived together, not romantically, but as a family, sort of a family living together. And then um, we've done various projects together from literally you being in grade school, doing video projects that I starred in, uh, us being in an off-Broadway show together, us doing some film work together. And then you've gone on to do a lot of other projects that I was not involved in. We'll talk about but just yeah I, I get it and i know you i'm a little better at technology i mean obviously here i am doing a podcast on my own in a bedroom in brooklyn so uh, i'm able to make that happen but i'm with you i i would prefer to have a team of experts just point me at a thing have me do my thing and then leave yep. but that's not happening right now <laughs> for any of us when and and i'm I'm the kind of guy that loves being on a team. Like I love being in production because I like, I like being in the trenches with everyone. I, I'm a weird producer in that way because a lot of producers are like, I'm going to pay you and then I'm going to walk away. And, you, <laughs> and, and I'm like, let's do this. Let's get in there. And, uh, and so it's different when you're working on a project and you're so remote because there's a little bit of like, Hey guys, you there? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no, I, I could see that when you're used to, it's like the difference between, and neither of us is remotely interested in this, but it's the difference between doing surgery with your hands or that sort of robotic surgery that you see like the guy's in a booth and he's doing this kind of ma uh, micro robotic surgery where across the room are these like robot hands doing something. Totally. And <laughs> right. That's a really cool technology, but I can imagine that sometimes it's really perfect, but other times it's better to be there in person. Right. And I know you and I both hate blood and anything involving guts. No, that would, I, someone told me recently about how a C-section happens and I almost passed out. <laughs> uh, it just made me respect women that much more because it's like, oh my God. I don't think any way the baby comes out is particularly wonderful from my male point of view. Um, I just, the, I remember when I, when, however old I was, I was pretty young when I learned that women have this monthly cycle. And I had two thoughts. I was like, oh, that's horrific. And I just dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah, it's, 
when you when you start when I started having friends who were women like educate me on things, I was like, wow, I my life is rough at times, but that it's it's really easy, and we need to all give women like a big high five for like enduring the BS of the world. <laughs> yeah, that and that was by the way before I learned things like making a fraction of what men make in the workplace, dealing with men constantly hitting on you that you don't want to be hit on by, and you know, among the many, the myriad of problems. Um, you know, this, this show is called Is That Really Legal? And one of the problems that I see from a legal point of view, what's going on and what we're talking about is I'm sure you're dealing with all sorts of contractual obligations right now. Is that accurate? Yes. So the, the, the plan, I was working on a, a new series that's upcoming, and now it's an upcoming TBD date uh, uh, series called Marriage of Inconvenience. And we were literally going to start production the week after the shutdown happened. So thankfully, mm. we weren't mid-production. If that had happened, that could have been a death blow to us because we would have been, we would have had half the footage and getting the rest of it and making sure the cast can come back that would have been a real struggle bus um so lucky um but we've been keeping in touch with all the cast and the crew that we basically hired basically saying like we are still planning on making it we still have the funds it's going to happen probably once there's a vaccine just because you can't do kiss scenes or have people in close quarters without with like the actors can't be wearing masks the whole time the comedy won't read Right, and you're not, by the way, this is not something you're doing on spec. You have a deal with a streaming service, right? Yeah, we have a deal with Deku, which is a, a gay uh, streaming service, kind of like a gay Netflix. And is that okay with you? Is that okay? Oh, wow, that was strange. Is that okay with you working with gay people, Jason? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a very out, proud gay man, yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> okay, I was just, I was screwing around. It's like, I, I have no idea what people are listening uh and it's very strange to me as a guy who is married to a woman that I never, I'm also in my late 50s, I don't feel the need to tell people my sexual orientation. And it might be different than they think, but um, I just don't even think about having to do that. And I think that we're still at the point where people who are gay or lesbian uh, I'm not so sure about trans people having to talk about it because um, there's a whole, that's a whole minefield about coming out as trans and how it actually could be more damaging than helpful. I, I mean, I don't know, and I'd hope to have some trans guests on and talk about some of those issues. But the fact that, you know, uh, well, it's just such a strange thing to me when people have to talk about it you know what i mean sure and and you know my production company uh my pet hippo productions is our mission statement is say that again that was fast what what's the production company name oh my pet hippo productions i think i know where that comes from it, you have a little stuffed hippo is that accurate oh yeah his name is attack hippo and he's got a little rattle like a um, rattlesnake and my mom got him for me when she was on a book tour and brought him home so that i could feel safe when they weren't there and so she said he's an attack hippo and so she would rattle him and then pounce 
think I attacked a friend of yours with that hippo while we were filming something. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure I brought attack hippo to set someday as, as I was having a bad day or something and I needed some comfort. And then the whole cast just fell in love with attack hippo. Yeah. Anyway, sorry about sidetracking. So... So My Pet Hippo Productions is the goal of the company is to produce um, content where LGBTQ characters are the leads and it has nothing to do with their sexual orientation and, and who they are. It just it shows them as humans as we are. And so, so you're not going to do these um, coming out stories, these after school specials, that kind of stuff. And, and those movies still have a very, very important place in our society because there's still way too many people who are foolish about this and don't haven't educated themselves. Um, and, and so we need those stories still. And th there's still people in communities that the struggle is real. But there's a growing number of people in the younger generations where it's like they're coming out younger and younger because it isn't an issue for their family. Right. And, and so, and part of our our belief is part of progressing forward is to show people we're not different because then we're not scary anymore. And then it's not a whole big, there's no drama about it. It's like, oh yeah, that's a non-issue. Yeah, like my eyes are blue or, you know, I have red hair. Cool. Like, right. And uh, so, you know, so we're, we're pretty open about it. And, and we also strive to have women play roles that aren't damsel in distress or just the role of mom. We also try to feature uh, people of color prominently as non-stereotypes as well, because there's, Hollywood has made great progress, but there's still plenty of times where I'm like, oh, tone deaf. You definitely <laughs> get a tone deaf comment there. Right, so you, you're not gonna be, uh, it's not gonna be a straight couple and she's confused and you're her gay best friend who gives her the romantic advice. That's not your show. Yeah. <laughs> nor, nor is the a person of color a seventy-year-old woman who's incredibly wise. Um, you know all these stereotypes that I could probably rattle off twenty, and it's not. I don't even consider myself involved in the way that you are, but they become such tropes. And yeah, yeah. and and I would say that I'm still learning constantly and there have been times where I have stumbled into a trope that I didn't realize and I was like I'm being progressive and then I'm like oops okay we'll do that again like, everyone's making mistakes and 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 my best advice to white people in general uh and cis acting white people is like just take note and try to do better always because we are going to make mistakes human but just do better yeah, I think two of the best words in any relationship, whether they're romantic relationships or professional relationships or inter whatever relationships, I'm sorry. Yep. That may be three words because it's a contraction, but I'm sorry goes a long way, I think, because yeah. we're going to make mistakes. Of course. And then when you apologize and then do better the next time, people will see that you are you're, you're progressing. And, yeah, uh, so. well, that's, there you have it, kids. We're already, we, I don't intend to give advice, but we've just given some great advice here. So <laughs> we're already winning with this interview. Um, yeah. I want to I talk about law stuff, because that's me. Um, so the fact that your production, this specific production, is on hold for A Marriage of Inconvenience, that's the series, right? 
marriage of inconvenience, yeah. So you guys are on hold. I assume you have contracts with um, all of your personnel, your the production people behind the scenes, the actors, and a whole whatever else I can't name. Um, how is that working out? I mean, so, so we haven't signed any official contracts with the actors or the crew. We've sent deal memos out, which in California is essentially like the first step. I know California has a like a handshake law for contracts. Right. I'm not, I don't practice law in California, but I read everything I can about show business. And there have been famous cases where uh, actors, actresses, whatever, have shaken hands on a deal. They didn't sign anything, but they were held to be obligated to perform. Sure. And and the plan is, I mean, I don't know what the world's going to look like when it's time for us to start filming. So if the actors have gotten a better gig and or they've had to move home because they can't afford to be here, I'm not going to be like, you have to get out here and film. Like, I'll... I'm not going to be that guy. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the most kind of unnerving thing for us was when this all started is this is the first mm -hmm. time that we had been doing business with someone else where the money wasn't completely being funded through Kickstarter and us. And so we basically had to reach out to Deku and be like, hey, we can't, we're on hold. Like our state won't legally allow us to, to film. And Deku would be, had basically said like, no worries, keep us posted. We're on lockdown here as well. Um, and so it's been, we've gotten really lucky with the whole everything. Mm. Um, and honestly, it behooves Deku to be smart like that as well, because like they're co-producers on this. So if people get sick and injured, there's some liability for them. And sure. So it's, it's everybody's behaving responsibly and rationally. And there hasn't been, thankfully, you know, knock on random wood frames. <laughs> uh, there hasn't been any like, you have to get back to work attitude right we wouldn't legally be allowed to anyway and uh until until we get to phase four in california which is when we can start having concerts again um, right i think we have the same thing here in new york where broadway will ultimately open up but even we don't know what that's going to look like right like is everybody going to sit next to each other in a broadway theater i doubt it i think there might be something like space seating but I have no idea. Nobody has any idea. And we're all at this point just hanging out. Those of us who can are just being patient. Yep. Um, trying to also be supportive of people who aren't as well off as us. And maybe, you know, uh, over tipping the delivery people, <laughs> over, uh, uh, you know, giving to certain organizations, whatever we can do, and just trying to everybody do the one day at a time thing, you know? Yeah. yeah and that's, I mean, it's I've, I've attended several seminars from casting people uh through SAG-AFTRA uh like to try the SAG-AFTRA has been trying to keep actors and casting people connected and producers and everyone connected and there's a thing called the SAG-AFTRA foundation and they've been holding seminars and classes and you can do these kind of self-tape seminars with casting people to just keep doing stuff and it's been really interesting to hear all these different ideas coming out of everyone, including like, we're gonna hold casting, but there's gonna be plexiglass between us and the actors. And all I can think of is if you still need plexiglass, you probably shouldn't be in the room together. Like it's, we haven't reached safe, like. Right. I just wanna be, cl I just wanna be clear for the audience that when you say SAG-AFTRA, 
that's the union for performers on movies and television is the Screen Actors Guild, which merged with the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. That's important uh, trivia for some people, maybe they don't care, but those are the people that because we pay dues, they take care of us and make sure that those of us who are on, and I'm a member and I'm confident you're a member, if, you, if you're on set, they have to pay you a bare minimum, they have to take breaks at certain times, they have to feed you, uh, if they make you stand in the rain, they have to pay extra. There's all sorts of stuff to basically treat actors like humans. Um, yeah. And, and you know, honestly, there's certain rules that I've read from SAG-AFTRA contracts that as a producer I have to adhere to. Right. And I think to myself, why does this have to be written down? Like, it's so insane to me that we needed to make this a rule because this is so obvious. Well, can, can you think of one? Um, I think probably meal penalties, the idea that you could go longer than six hours and not have a meal, like you can't, like you need to, you need to feed people every six hours or allow a lunch break. And I get hangry and I'm just oh, like, me too. and I'm like, how can you go? I can't really even go four hours. Like six hours is a, is a chore. And you know, that's one example or like, like you can't work past x hours without getting super overtime i think it's like 12 hours you can go to eight and then at from eight to 12 it's time and a half and from 12 till 16 it's double time and 16 it's like golden which is like you get your day rate every hour or something right i remember when i was a commercial actor uh working very a very long day for a supermarket chain i was doing an ad where uh I was in the supermarket shopping and it took a very long time. Yeah. And we got, we went into, I think we went into golden time. By the time I left the set, which was an actual supermarket, it was shot in Boston and it had snowed and that my car had been snowed in. It took me like an hour to dig my car out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. So it's not Los Angeles. They, if, if it starts to snow in Los Angeles, will you call me and let me know? I think that's going to be the next thing after the pandemic and the, and the protests. We're going to go into snow in Los Angeles. It, you know, it wouldn't shock me. This has been the most mild uh, summer or spring that we've ever had. So sure, let's have some snow. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um, well, I'm so glad for you that you're not um so jammed up with your contractual obligations like some i'm sure there are people in productions right now of all stripes uh whether low budget or crazy super duper movie that i just know they're hurting uh it's got to be hard and you're in los angeles proper where it's like you the town it's a company town i mean you, you oh yeah no business is what that town does there's like five teachers a couple of people who clean things and then every literally everyone has a screenplay in their back pocket that they're waiting to hand to somebody <laughs> that i mean i've been to la a couple of times and that was really my experience i'm oh, yeah. sure that's not 100 percent accurate but it's close you know the lawyers do mostly show that i mean there's criminal law i'm sure but half of those criminals are actors and producers anyway so you're in the business my favorite thing, one of my favorite parts of film production at all is casting. I actually mm -hmm. really love getting to see who's out there and finding really great like 
undiscovered talent and undiscovered in a sense of like they've been working but like the mainstream country hasn't necessarily caught on to them yet right they've done like five independent films maybe they've done commercials in a small market things like that a couple of co-stars maybe a guest star like people who you could start to recognize Mm. and but their talent is through the roof and it's it's uh it's always very interesting to see like i've had people write to me like I love playing a cop because I am a cop. Like, there's no <laughs> way to get in. <laughs> and and, um, and there have been times where I've seen pictures and I've been like, I can't tell if they're actually like a crazy biker or if this is just a costume they put on. Like, and so. Wow. But yeah, you know, it, there's been a real change in casting out in Hollywood and it, really around the country where self-taping is becoming more and more common. Absolutely. I see, uh, I mean, I haven't been working as an actor for quite some time, but I still get the emails and they're doing seminars on self-taping all the time at SAG-AFTRA. Oh yeah, and, and lately, like, they're, they're doing like, um, you know, tips on how, like the best equipment for the cheapest amount so that you can look really good because you know, I've, I've seen a lot of self-tapes because I my first round is always self-taped because I don't have a huge budget. So I can't afford to bring 500 people into the room. Um, right. And risk you're not the right type or you're not necessarily as good as your demo reel made you out to be or whatever. Yeah, I mean, what people who aren't in the business don't understand is if you don't have a Hollywood lot, you know, a Hollywood studio office, and I assume you don't, most people don't that means and you're not going to invite people to your home you need to rent a space and you need to rent a space for at least a day or more because you're going to have a parade of people come in and depending on the size of the project you could be casting 10 15 people and that you'd like to see for every role as many people as possible to choose from right yeah for for marriage and inconvenience we have a cast of one two 11, 11 main characters. Um, and can you imagine seeing 30 people for each character is probably not a crazy amount, right? Not a crazy amount. There's a couple in there, a couple of characters where it's like, oh, there's one more character who we haven't cast yet, uh, who's not on the IMDb page yet. So there's 12. And there's a couple of characters where it's like, they, they have a few lines and that's it. So it's like, they're featured, but they're not, it's not going to be insane, but most of these characters, they've got a, a major scene or a couple major scenes, and it's important that they can act really well and that they, the chemistry is there and they're not crazy. That's my big thing. When you say not crazy, you mean to work with you, like to, so that you can manage them and they can work with other people? Yes. So it is amazing how many people will come into the room and be very talented, but that behind the eyes, you can see this level of, of psycho that is, and, and part of it is desperation. Like they really want to work. And, and I've gotten better at distinguishing between like, they really want this and like, no, they're unbalanced, like something's wrong. Right. Um, and I've also gotten better at calling in people based on their self tapes who are like chill. Who are gonna who are humans and maybe they have an off day but they're not gonna be like they're not gonna freak out in the moment and um which is because back in the day we didn't do the self tapes and so we got a, quite a lot of people 
who were coming in who perhaps lied on their resume to show that they had credits they didn't really have and yeah. things like that. And so it, you know, one of the, uh, you mentioned the, the needing the rent a space, that was actually a rule that got implemented recently with SAG where it now no longer, if you're going to do a SAG project, you no longer per union rules are allowed to hold auditions at your house or at a hotel room. Well, that sounds like it's directly related to the Me Too stuff. Absolutely. So you can't, you know, I can't say I'm a producer and I was walking by the hotel pool and I noticed you look great in a bikini. I'd love for you to audition in my hotel room. That is about as sleazy as it sounds. And as I say it, I feel not good in myself. But there are a lot of people who have and will continue to be totally okay with saying those kind of things. Yeah, and, that, and that's why we have certain rules, and that's why there is the, you went past six hours, so now I have a meal penalty, because it's the, it's the little human decencies that make the difference. And, you know, on our sets currently, we're, we're, we're a pop and pop shop. It's me and my husband's production company, and we, we don't have infinite funds, but what we can, so we, we're paying people for the most part not uh, not what they're really worth. They're getting minimum wage at, at the bare minimum. Um, if they're if they're not getting a little bit of a bump, we try to get the bump if we can get the funds. Right. Pay them a little bit more. Um, there we guarantee our crew a twelve hour day with the with the plan to get them out early. So they're going to that's get awesome. Of work uh, pay if they only work ten hours. So we strive for that. We we make sure every meal is is a well cooked meal or a well purchased meal from the store. Um, you know, Matt has learned how to make certain dishes. Like Matt, your husband. Yeah, you know, Matt's my husband. Yeah, he he learned how to make a um, a vegan chili with tofu in it that is not that expensive, but it's super filling. And that plus rice and a, a freshly cut salad is a great meal. That is way better than most meals uh, most actors ever have, by the way, or crew members, on or off a set, just from my own experience. And, and the, the goal, with the goal being, you know, we, yes, we can't give you what, you know, the studios can afford to get to pay you, but what we can give you is human decency, you know, kindness, and the best conditions possible. We try to make our sets we, everything's pre-planned to the, to the T and the dotted I's so that we know what our day is. We know what scenes we're tackling. We know all the angles. We've got everything pre-production set up in the room so that there's not like, all right, guys, let's figure out what we're doing today. And then everyone sits around for four hours. Uh, wasting time is just brutal. For those who've never experienced that kind of thing, they have to imagine just a giant taxi meter if they've ever gone in a taxi and, you know, turn on the meter. But like that meter is running like there's 10 of them lined up or maybe 20 of those meters lined up and running every shot that's blown or every setup, as, as might say in the business, where they, they put it all together and then they find out they did the wrong thing and they got to go back and redo it like all that money is getting spent. And if you're not prepared well, as you say, in pre-production and you're discovering it on the fly, that's very expensive. Yeah, we, when, we did, um, when we did the movie Analysis Paralysis, uh, which we filmed in 
I just want to I want to take a moment to say analysis paralysis is an independent film that you shot. Did you write that? Yeah, I wrote I co-wrote it with my dad. And you starred in it with another guy who I don't know him, but I think he's really funny. I don't know yeah. if you still work with him. I forget his name. I'm sorry. Good actor. His name is Kevin Held, um, and he's going to be in the next feature that's currently we finished production literally right before the shutdown it's uh, not filming but we finished a post-production called out of body um, yeah and i know i'm sidetracking this but i want i want people to know where they can see analysis paralysis is that something they can find somewhere yeah so you can rent or download it on amazon itunes or google play so it's out there that's good and if you uh sign up for deku the people who are going to be doing marriage of inconvenience it's actually uh, for the for the next couple of years. It's on the the streaming site Deku, and uh, you can sign up for a free week. Hopefully, you enjoy it and you stay. Cool. There's about eight billion streaming services right now, which I think is excellent and upsetting, <laughs> because I find that now I, I have like two ninety nine charges, constant like. Did we get Disney? Do we need to keep this? Like that's just Disney, and Disney, by the way, is the gorilla. You know, that's the giant. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of other streaming services. I can't help but feel at some point they're all going to buy each other, and there's going to just be two. Yeah, it'll probably it'll go in waves like that. I'm sure, and and because I feel like there were only two originally, and now there's a million, and then there's going to be a bunch of purchases. And right. What Matt and I do is we we try to uh have a few watch everything then unsubscribe subscribe to a couple others watch the stuff we want to watch so we're we're doling our money out in different right. and so we don't go broke right it's hard you know you want to support art and you also want to know what's going on in the business but we're those of us many of us have limited ability to pay for everything so it's a, you kind of, uh, I live on word of mouth with people too. People would say, oh, you've got to see this thing or don't bother seeing this thing. You know, I want to back up for a second though, because the law thing, I, I can't help but uh, ask agents. I know when you're dealing with independent film and low budget stuff, uh, I don't, how much do you deal with agented actors? So I actually don't, it, it was very all over the map with all of the different films. And just to be clear for the listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, some actors actually work a lot without an agent or a manager, and those are different, and someday I'll talk about that. We don't have time. But people who are in the business know there's a big difference between agents and managers, and agents and managers have their own war, so there's probably podcasts about that even as we speak. And it's it, that's a very complicated, but people can work a lot without ever having an agent. And then there's other people who do have agents who never work, or, I mean, it's just a lot of, so anyway, it gets complicated. And the reason I bring it up is agents add another level of complication with certain kinds of contracts and such. So, so that's my question. Yeah. So we, Again, we're super, super low budget pop and pop shop. So when we budget out the salaries for the cast and crew, you know, if when we're when we do an ultra low budget film or a new media paid series, 
Um, these are different types of contracts that SAG-AFTRA has that producers can sign on to. Um, when you say new media, it's not like film or video, or I'm sorry, it is film or video, but it, it's not television as the old school television was or film like theatrical release. We're talking about things that like people can download it. We no longer know what the cycles are. The way people used to get paid was based on certain criteria that just don't even exist anymore, right? Right. So, so for example, new media tends to tackle web stuff, streaming sites, uh, those kind of things. Ultra low budget means you're making a, a independent film for under two hundred and fifty thousand, I believe. Yeah, it may have gone up the last time I worked on one was two hundred, but it may have. I don't want to date myself. It wouldn't surprise me if it's two fifty now. And I love that that's ultra low budget. Anyone who's not in show business just fell down when they heard that number. They have no idea. They have no idea. Trust me, that is ultra low budget. And and so it's the kind of thing where um, the the minimum for uh, the minimum for a day work for an actor, I believe, right now for ultra low budget is one hundred and fifty dollars for an eight hour day. I okay. I think it's in that range. It was a hundred a while ago. It's either 150 or 125. It's in that ballpark. Um, I have the numbers somewhere. <laughs> and, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Before you like start issuing checks, you know. Yeah. Well, Matt. There, Matt is more the numbers guy. I'm more the creative. So Matt basically walks me through the budget, which is why, like, anytime you're getting ready to film something, it's great to have like a creative side and a budget side, because then you can really tackle and know like, oh, we're flying out of budget and this is not affordable anymore. Or, wow, we have more money. We can afford that, you know. People. Right, so when you when you have the scene where you're like, I want 300 Germans and tanks coming over that hill. And he's like, we can afford one person who doesn't speak and a bicycle. bicycle. <laughs> so you got, <laughs> gonna have to match the creative moment to what your resources are. Exactly. And that's, you know, for example, we, there, um, in analysis paralysis, there was a moment where I wanted someone to get stabbed with a knife and I had thought I'd figured out a way to do it so that insurance would be happy because you'd never see the actual stab. And so it was safe and there was never going to be a knife on set that was sharp. Right. Insurance, like you've said the word knife, it's now $500 more expensive. Whoa. I had no idea. That's very interesting. And so, and, um, and I mean, I came up with it with the idea it was a butter knife. So it was going to be like a blunt knife and it, which is brutal. And oh, I, getting stabbed with a butter knife would be very unpleasant. Right. And my thought was like, you can't really stab someone with a butter knife. That would be really hard to do. Um, and I mean, obviously if there's a will, there's a way, but it's the kind of thing where, uh, I was going to cut off the tip of it and put um, hot glue around it to make it soft and squishy. So when you held it against a person, you'd only see the end and it would right. look within you, but it wasn't. So they were like, no, that's no go. And I was trying to figure out how to salvage this moment because it's a pretty funny moment. And what I learned is if, it, if you change it to a spoon, suddenly insurance doesn't care. So now the person gets stabbed with a spoon and which is funny and fun without costing $500. So it's like finding ways to get creative while not blowing up the integrity. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I sidetracked from agents. So That's okay. Has, right? <laughs> you may notice that I don't really work in a linear way on this show, so that's fine. But 
but great, let's do the agents thing. But so basically the, the reason I brought that up is that agents, um, depending on who the person is, they will, they potentially will ask for an additional 10% on the salary so that the actor's salary doesn't come out of the actor's salary because agents make their money by getting a percentage of what the actors get paid and it and it's their base rate so like we have to add an additional 12 percent something or it, it's there's an again a number that i have written down somewhere uh where we pay sag pension and health benefits for the actors right. or down the line um and so you can do the thing where if the, if the actor negotiates it they will ask can you pay my agents 10 percent so the actor right. All their money, the agent gets the ten percent fee that they're supposed to get from us, and depending on the size of the role, we've been able to do that for a few people, and we've not been able to do it for everybody because there are some roles where it's like, I'm sorry, the actor's going to be on set for you know two and a half hours. They have four lines. We can't afford ten percent extra today for these several characters because we're paying it for the other people who are going to be there for 12 hour days and right. we need to and so it it can get it can seem like wow it's only pennies what what's the big deal but when you're in ultra low budget land pennies is the difference between you know having you know brand name soda versus you know, <laughs> right. i get it. Uh, i hear you and, and and also the difference between can we afford an actual location versus me trying to set up a curtain that looks like a location. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've been there. I definitely get it. Uh, I understand. So, uh, so agents can be also challenging as well because in the past, you know, some agents are like, awesome, let's make this work. They understand that it's low budget and they want to help. There are some agents out there where their thought is this is too low budget for me to really want to focus on. And so they get frustrated and then they try to make things chat like they, they seem to like make things challenging and I'm like, oh you're you're hurting your client. Please Right. Right. I, I can get that. Um I just wanna I don't have a ton more time and I just want to pivot to uh a little bit about discrimination and the LGBT community. And I know you're not a lawyer, and but you have been very active. I remember when um, I've spoken to your dad about this, and it's uh, I participated, and I know you did too, in a variety of things to bring uh, equal marriage in, into being. And there's still a lot of things that people don't understand about uh, antiquated laws and how they affect people. Um, I know that it took the Supreme Court, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I know it took a Supreme Court decision to actually make uh, gay marriage legal or same-sex marriage. Um, what is your experience as a young gay professional who's married? Are you seeing, you live in Los Angeles, so just like here in New York and Brooklyn, um, people here don't really feel the things that a lot of people, maybe some other states or other places in the world do. Do you see, are we already over all of that stuff or is there still, 
are we still running into situations where you have to tell people you're not allowed to do that or like are you running into anything do you mind sharing any of that with us sure sure yeah i mean thankfully we've done you know knock on the wood in my apartment and everything um we've done a really good job of fostering wonderful sets that don't have <laughs> dick bags on them being jerks um so just so i'm clear when you say when you say fostering sets, you're talking about in your work, you don't run into prejudice against you or your husband, that kind of stuff. Generally, I mean, and that's, and that, that's really our personal, my pet hippo production sets. I've also been, I, I personally have not been touched uh, by any sort of nastiness on other sets that I've been on that I haven't been a part of the production team. You know, LA is a very progressive place, and so they tend to be pretty good about that. There still is, though, there still is an old guard and a new, there's like an old guard and a new guard in Hollywood. So there still are people who have told me, you know, maybe don't, maybe don't talk about that as much, or maybe keep that to yourself, or like when it comes to my sexuality. Um, and, and, you can tell it's because they grew up in a time where like, if you did come out as gay, that was a real problem. And then you would lose all your contracts. And the, the, the most crazy thing for me though, is I, I've experienced more people telling me, so oh, for people out there that don't know this, I'm half deaf, um, born that way, just part of my existence. I have had more people tell me, maybe don't tell people you're half deaf because, wow. because you pass as hearing and you don't want people to assume they're going to need special you're going to need special treatment on set which is my thing is i don't need special treatment on set deaf people don't need special treatment on set they need treatment like humans um and it and so it it, it there it there still is definitely progress to be made across the board uh, on all fronts but it has absolutely changed a lot and i actually one of the people one of the casting people i went to their seminar i asked the question i said have you worked with people with disabilities and do you find that there are people out there that are still resistant to it and she's like no that's like celebrated now at least in her mm. casting office because hollywood is trying to diversify and show the nation what the nation actually looks like because we are a vastly more rainbow society than old Hollywood would have us believe. Gotcha. I, I do know that, and not from my own experience in acting, but just from you know what I hear or uh, in popular culture, that there are actresses, actors and actresses who um, would never came out, won't come out because they are afraid they won't get the roles. Sure. And there are people who came out later and it was not a big deal. And there's other people, it seems like it's a deal. Like, um, you know, I think of Queen Latifah and I think that uh, she clearly had a girlfriend for a long time, maybe even wife. I, I don't know her story. I know that she's gay and I know that she's had a lot of great roles and done a lot of great things. And that seems to be okay. Ellen everybody seems to have finally gotten over Ellen being gay. But um, I think of uh, Ms. Page, I forget her first name. She was in Juno, uh, Ellen Page. And maybe I'm just not seeing the things she's doing. 
but she went, in my experience, she went from being like a little America's darling or Canadian darling, technically, um, to like, I haven't seen her in anything lately. She was in a remake of the um, uh, 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 Tales of the City. Uh, and she was in that remake and I really enjoyed watching that. And maybe she's just doing her own projects and doing what she feels comfortable doing. And I don't mean to single her out. I just, I'm wondering if there's still this feeling in Hollywood or elsewhere that people just have to not be who they are. Yeah, well, so what I've noticed is there's, there's, uh, again, with the younger generations, the younger generations tend to have the attitude of, you're an actor, so like I acknowledge that you're not in love with who you're pretending to be in love with, no matter what. Like, whereas the older generations are a little bit like, I'm sorry, I just can't believe that that he's in love with her now that I know he's gay. And it's like, and all I can think of is, damn, he's making me believe that he's in love with her. So the fact that you don't believe it feels like it stems from more of a prejudice than anything. But there have been plenty of actors who have come out who have kind of then been pigeonholed into just gay roles and right right, because now they're gay and so they're like we talked about at the beginning of this they're the best friend or they have the unusual gay relationship and won't you support them and and of course the person that they fall in love with and they finally get to be with is the bad gay guy so like i mean it's just like and his heavy set straight girl friend knew all along and I mean, I could write this if I wanted to do bad work, but <laughs> I hear what you're saying. It's getting better for sure. Like, you know, with, with the film like Love, Simon, where the, like, it was a coming out film, but the coming out part was fine. It, the problem everyone had is that he withheld other information that caused drama. And uh. so, like, they kind of turned it on its head and stuff. And, you know, and there are some actors who it's like, I'm coming out and now I want to play gay roles. So there's that. Um, but someone recently, I read something somewhere from a, a gay actor who was like, if we don't come out and claim our roles, straight people are going to keep playing them. And then we won't get hired as straight roles because everyone's afraid of us. So we'll have no roles. So it's time for us to like, we have to claim it. And right. So- I, I, and that makes sense. Holly Hunter, I think, once said that she and I can't remember her name. She's married. She's a Oscar-winning actress. She's married to one of the Coen brothers. Um, Not Isla Fisher, right? No. Um, oh crap! And people are going to hate me for this because she was just in Three Billboards, whatever that movie was. Um, oh, um, um, oh shoot! Uh, she gave the great speech. Yes. And um, we're in trouble, and I'm, I'm not- <laughs> looking up while I'm talking to you. Um, yeah, Ho- Holly Hunter said that she and her friend agreed to not get any kind of cosmetic surgery because then they'd be the only two women in Hollywood who looked like they were in their 50s, and they would get all that work. And I think that was brilliant. Francis- I also, yes, Francis McDormand. I think that they, by the way, are both amazingly attractive. I don't understand why people get all that surgery done. I think it looks, that's just my thing. I think it looks freaky. I think women with lines are incredibly beautiful and maybe I'm 58 and I'm demented. Uh, Whatever it is, I just don't get it. That's another problem. 
I am running out of time. I, I wanted to just ask you, um, is there anything that you would tell anybody about your experience as a producer and a performer when it comes to legal stuff? Is there anything that you think people should know of a legal nature? Sure. Um, for anyone out there who wants to dive into filmmaking and producing, the best thing that you can do is befriend a entertainment lawyer or a lawyer in general who can help guide you through contracts the first couple times. Um, if you can hire them, that's great too. Everyone's hurting in this economy. Um, uh, but the biggest thing is even with someone like that on your side, read every contract. Read it and learn how to read them because they're wordy and they're obnoxious and, 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 and they're good in a lot of ways too. And it, it provides clarity. And that way you can make sure there's no hidden uh, items in the contracts that could end up screwing you later down the line. Uh, and make sure that you're gonna be doing it as safe as possible. Um, and that's one other thing is, for the love of God, follow the laws. Um, don't be jumping on the train tracks because you wanna get a special shot without permission. People uh, yeah. And so yeah. it's, it's, you know, most producers are good people who are, who are following the rules, but you got a few bad apples out there who are, that's why we have all these crazy sometimes rules because they take advantage of the system. So read the contracts, follow the rules and treat the people like humans and you'll, you'll be successful. I can't think of a better line to go out on. So thank you, Jason. Again, I've been speaking with Jason T. Gaffney, uh, actor, producer. Um, I will, <clears throat> the latest project he's working on, which isn't available yet because he's still working on it, is A Marriage of Inconvenience, but it's going to be coming out. And the last movie that you released was Analysis Paralysis. Yeah, and keep your eyes peeled for Out of Body, which will be coming out sometime this year. Um, <laughs> On some platform, somewhere at some time. I'm glad we could really get specific on that. But you know what? In the middle of the pandemic and protests, and I believe we were talking about locusts or fire from the sky, whatever's next, yeah. we'll still get that thing released, hopefully. Thanks, Jason. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Well, that was Jason T. Gaffney. Um, that was recorded a billion years ago, <laughs> um, or months ago. But I'm glad that we got a chance for you to hear Jason. Um, I hope you're taking care of yourselves and you're wearing a mask and taking care of each other. Don't forget to grab Abe's and Muffins. Don't forget if you have any questions, uh, contact me at isthatreallylegal.com. Uh, leave me a message. I'll be happy to get back to you about anything in the show, including if you'd like to be on the show or know someone you'd like to hear being on the show. Um, and that's the deal. Enjoy the rest of your day, your week, the holidays, and we'll be in touch. <laughs>